We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody, what is going on? Welcome to the future award-winning Talk of Buffalo podcast where we often highlight but aren't limited to Buffalo sports, news, media, and entertainment. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Big thank you for locking in today. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now, right away, right here at the top. Uh, when you subscribe on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, if you do that and turn your notifications on, New episodes are going to get sent right to your phone or listening device quite literally as soon as they are published. I'm going to be talking to my good buddy, Buffalo Sabres writer, hockey writer, and all around great dude, my guy Joe Yurden in just a couple of minutes here. Uh, Joe's been on the podcast plenty of times, and I tell you what, some of the best episodes I've ever done on this show have featured Joe. Uh, today we'll... Put a big bow on the Buffalo Sabres' latest uh, miserable campaign, a record-setting 10th straight year without the playoffs. Man, that's so sad. Uh, We'll discuss the present. We'll see how uh, Joe sees the future unfolding. We'll go over a few of the more notable player press conferences from Monday, which, by the way, included Jack Eichel. First time we've heard from Jack in quite a while. That was interesting. So, Tons more with Joe in just a minute, which by the way, definitely going to start featuring some more uh, Sabres talk on this podcast going forward. Not a lot going on with the Buffalo Bills right now, and probably not a lot that's going to be going on until training camp. So I think this is a a good time to kind of switch gears a little more often. And I'll tell you what, I think this is going to be a very, very eventful Buffalo Sabres offseason for real. Plus, man, I'll, I'll tell you. Got a lot of good Sabres guys and ladies to chat with. So be on the lookout for more Sabres content and other content as well um, over these next handful of uh, episodes and weeks here on Talk About Flow Podcast. Real quick, too, then I want to get into today's show. So I just celebrated my 50th birthday late last week. And I'll tell you, I was a little depressed about that thought, but it was pretty awesome, man. It's pretty awesome. Tons of Buffalo from family and friends back home in Buffalo. And I had a lot of fun in Florida with uh, some friends that I've met down here. Good times, man. Even had a buddy of mine who, by the way, was from Buffalo, but now lives in Texas. Uh, Him and his fiance came down and that was great. I feel old, man. I do. Almost feels 50 to me. Almost feels like a, a creepy age given the, you know, given the lifestyle that I still keep, but whatever it is, what it is. I had a good time. Anyway, it was cool. And big thanks to anyone out there listening who showed me a little bit of love for my 50th birthday. Anyway, enough of that. On that note, let's just jump into today's podcast. It was a good one. Here it is, a chat with my guy, Joe Yurden. All right, I'm joined right now by Buffalo Sabres writer, hockey and sports personality, current guest, my good buddy, Joe Yurden. What the hell, man? How you doing? What's going on? <laughs> oh, nothing. Nothing <laughs> going on at all in Buffalo when it comes to sports ever. <laughs> it's always quiet in Buffalo. It's You know what's funny, man? Peaceful. I, so I 
talked to you maybe maybe two weeks ago or so. I, I knew when the Sabre season was ending, I was like, I want to get Joe on that mm-hmm. following Tuesday for the podcast. And I had intentions at the time, which we will hit on, but discussing more about the job that Don Granado has done with this team, especially the young players, and maybe being a little more optimistic towards the future, certainly compared to the state that they were at just, I don't know, a handful of weeks or, or a couple of months ago with Ralph Kruger. That was like the premise of our conversation today, or at least that's the direction I wanted to bring it in. But <laughs> that kind of changed on Monday, man. Jack Eichel and to a lesser extent, uh, Sam Reinhardt, they, uh, that was pretty poignant zoom pressers on Monday. I'll get to that in a second though, but you know what? Let me, let me start here, Joe. I, this is where I want to start today. If I would have told you like last October and you're a hockey guy far more than I am. If I would have told you last October, the Sabres would land Taylor Hall in free agency. Mm-hmm. And that was not long after trading for Eric Stahl, who's a, a proven winner, a, a cup winner uh, to go with Jack Eichel, who had an MVP caliber season the year before top eight finish. I believe in the heart trophy, uh, voting Rasmus Dahlin's going in the year three and you got some promising younger pieces around this team as well. If I told you all that and that the Sabres would end up at the end of the year, finishing dead last in NHL for the fourth time in eight years and 10 straight years, uh, an NHL record or tying a record, no playoffs. Do you have thought I was drinking a little bit too much? <laughs> um, no, because I've been trained by the last, what, seven, eight seasons here to, to know that if anything can go wrong, it can happen. It can happen in Buffalo uh, with the hockey team. Uh, but I also would have had a thousand questions of, of just how could that happen? Like what necessitated that coming forth to allow that to happen? And if you had told me at some point, well, they lost 18 in a row and I would have said, well, okay, there you go. (laughs) Like you you wouldn't have had to fill in any other blanks apart from that to be like, for me to say like, well, all right, I I can see how that would work. Well, for as long as you've been covering hockey and it's more specifically around this team, that 18 game winless skid that they had, like where does that rank among the more dubious hockey things that you've ever covered, or at least, you know, this season followed very closely. It has to be right up there again, given I don't want to say lofty expectations because there weren't lofty expectations, but this team was mm-hmm. supposed to be reasonably competitive at worst. And that just didn't happen. 18 straight games without a win, man. What does that rank in terms of like on your wow factor? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty far up there uh, <laughs> as far as, uh, as far as a like negative wow factor. I, I think if we're going to do uh, advanced statistics for, <laughs> for uh, impressions, that one's pretty high up because I mean, you have to go back to what the 2003, 2004 penguins for a team that had it as bad or worse than that. And uh, that, I mean, that, that team was horrific. <laughs> I mean, that's the team that allowed uh, Pittsburgh to, to get into the lottery to win yeah. Sidney Crosby eventually. And that, uh, you know, that, I mean, that, that whole, I mean, the whole, that whole thing, just being able to compare that to a team that eventually bounced back out of it and became one of the, you know, best in the league and winning a Stanley cup, you know, three, you know, three times and in, in, you know, 15, 20 years, something like that. Like that's, that, that's a nice way to, to bounce back from it. But I just, you know, when it comes to this team, I mean, there's been so many low points and there's been so many low lights and so many just disastrous types of things to come up that, you know, in this case, 18, an 18 game losing streak and finishing dead last in the league again is just like, well, okay, what next? It's not a matter of like, well, it can't get worse because it can always be worse. It's just a matter of like, all right, what's the next thing to happen? Well, I think we kind of got a glimpse of what might be the next thing <laughs> on Monday. Um, <laughs> more, more on that in a second. So getting to today, and, and we are taping this Monday, a couple hours after several Sabres players um, spoke with the media via Zoom. Adams and, and Granado are scheduled to do that on Wednesday. Uh, before that, though, like I said, I was talking a little bit about having at least some hope for realistic optimism and that was this team did get a lot better under Granado uh looking at the stats now 9 16 and 3 in 28 games 
Uh, 9-11-2 since that 18-game winless streak that we spoke of. I saw a stat that John Morrow from the AP had up. Uh, he wrote, Sabres won three times when trailing after two periods under Granado, where they were 0-16-1 under Ralph Kruger. Uh, talk about the job that he did before. Like I said, I would have, and we still might spend a nice chunk of minutes talking about him, but I thought that he was going to be the primary focus of our conversation today, but that kind of went out the window yeah. after Jack spoke on Monday to people. But uh, talk about the job you thought he did, and you know if he's a guy that you think going forward deserves and warrants serious consideration. I think Don was. I think Don was outstanding in rebuilding the confidence in the group and building them back up and putting them into a place where they can have success and kind of bucking the trend of coaches being a system, you know, follow the system or you're out of the lineup type of guy. Um, Granado seemed to lean into the strengths of his players, which I appreciate seeing no matter what, you know, be it any sport, if you can lean into the straight strengths of what makes your, your players excel, I think that makes you that that that's you putting your own ego and your own, you know, whatever you think you've got going for yourself aside to say, listen, I know I know where my bread's buttered. It's with the players. They're going to make this work. And I think Don Granado is really good at doing that and also figuring out ways to to help these guys be better. You know, guys that a lot of fans had kind of either written off or, you know, just kind of shrugged their shoulders at when you know you think of, you know, you think of Casey Middlestat, who, you know, people got tired of after, you know, jumping into the league right out of, you know, after a year in college and not, not being ready for the show. And, you know, Tage Thompson looking a little bit more, a little bit more well-rounded in, in how he played and seeing Sam Reinhardt excel as a center where, you know, not without other people trying, you know, I mean, we, we saw Dan Bilesma try it, you know, other coaches didn't really want to try it. You know, Ralph certainly didn't Phil Housley didn't want to give it too much of a shot. So, you know, Don said, Hey, you know, what do we got to lose here? We got no Jack, you know, Dylan cousins is, is a kid we can't throw him as a first line center. All right, Sam, you got it. It's up to you. Like figure it out or don't, but please do. <laughs> and, you know, Don was able to put that together. And I think it, it, it certainly warrants him being high on the list for the Sabres uh, to continue as being coach, but there's a lot of really good candidates out there now, especially, you know, especially, you know, now with guys getting let go or not having their contracts renewed, you have the pool is even bigger. But I, I think the Pagulas owe it to Granado to be fair to him, but they also owe it to themselves to interview, to talk to as many of these guys as possible to see if they're not just, you know, looking past you know what's in front of them, but also not taking for granted that, you know, what they, you know, what they have is, is actually the best. Not that it matters, nor should it matter, but do you feel like, Talking to fans, you spend a lot of time on Twitter. A lot of Sabres fans are between mm -hmm. that. You, you interact with a lot of them. You get the sense that at the end of the day, knowing some of the candidates that are out there, do you feel like fans would like to see Don Granado get that interim tag lifted and become the permanent coach? I, I, th I think the way things have gone over the last two months, I think fans are more, I think they're more willing to give Don a chance because I think they liked, they've liked everything he said. They've liked the strings that he's pulled. They've liked the success that he's had because they see the team, you know, there's no, you know, Jack's not playing. Um, they see how everybody that was supposed to be playing better under Kruger and that, that they weren't, were playing better under him. I think they like seeing that. I think they like seeing that the younger guys that have been talked about ad nauseum by us for, for, you know, one, two, three years, whatever it is, you know, finally stepping up and, and having productive roles. I think they like seeing that. They say, Hey, this is the road we're going, then let's lean into it. That's that's the good way to go. Whereas, you know, right when Ralph was fired and um, Don stepped in, I think people were very eager to get somebody uh, with a bigger name involved, whether it was Bruce Boudreau or Gerard Gallant or, or whoever. And I think now there's going to be a great temptation out there with John Tortorella and Rick Tockett available um, that, you know, maybe some of that will get renewed. But I think I think a lot of people have been very excited and very happy with how Don's going about things. And I, I think it's fair, um, but I think you kind of owe it to just talk around. I mean, you don't, you don't have to make a commitment right away after one interview with a guy, but, like, you, you kind of owe it to yourself to figure out what other coaches might bring to the table that maybe Don isn't, isn't either isn't capable of or you you want somebody else to do. One of the young guys that you mentioned was Casey Middlestat. And early in the year, it kind of looked like the same Casey Middlestat that we had previously seen, which in fairness to him, 
it was still way too, not way too, but it was definitely too premature to call the guy a bust. And I'm one of those stupid idiots who had done that before, which again, it just really shows you how ignorant and stupid I could be when it comes to evaluating hockey players. I'll, but I'll, at least I'll admit that. But anyway, were you surprised by how good he looked, especially after Granado took over? Because looking at the stats, like he had 17 points in 28 games under Granado. And he went from being a guy who you didn't know if he was ever going to be good enough to play in the NHL consistently, at least to maybe a good, uh, you know, bottom six forward, but he looked like a legitimate top six guy, at least statistically sure did, you know, under these last 20, 25 games or so. Like, what are your thoughts on him going forward? I, I have to feel like he's one of the biggest bright spots this year. Yeah, I think him breaking out was definitely a, was a huge bright spot. And, you know, I, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Casey for for putting in the work uh, that he had to put in. You know, uh, I know a lot of the jokes on Twitter were about how he didn't look like he was in shape. Um, he looked, you know, he just looked like somebody who was just kind of like kind of going through it like like any of us were at, at age 21, probably yeah. and in the club <laughs> you know? every night. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> having fun, not really thinking about, you know, hitting the gym, not really doing a lot of that stuff, but I, he, he must've had somebody, he had somebody in his ear, giving him a kind of like that come to Jesus talk, like, buddy, if you don't get it figured out, like the, you know, this, the, the contract you just signed is, you know, might not be, might be the, the last good one you ever see. Right. Um, so I, I think he, I think he, he owes a bit to himself for, for getting himself into better shape and, and taking things a, a lot more serious, not to say he wasn't taking it serious before he was. Uh, but I think a lot of, a lot of everything about NHL life kind of caught him off guard, but you know, Don put him in the position, put him with guys that, uh, that were going to make him work out better, that were going to make him play better on the ice. And he found ways to, to, to get him to contribute in better ways, be it, you know, playing him on the wing or playing him at center. I don't think it really mattered to him too much uh, because he played very well at both spots and, you know, him getting away from deferring to, to his, to his line mates a lot uh, and shooting the puck more because boy, he certainly seemed to show he has a very good shot. Yeah. Um, and when he puts it, when he's, when he zeroes in, man, it's, it's a really good shot. And um, instead of, you know, just trying to always make the pretty play, sometimes you just got to grip it and rip it. Like the old John Daly, you know, old John Daly way of teeing it off. Just, just let it go, man. Just let it go. And, um, you know, I think that that benefited him as well. But, you know, what this has done is it's helped carve himself a, a way to say, you know what, maybe you don't really have to stress too hard about center. Uh, next year because you know you've got Casey who can at least you can you could maybe you could probably put him in the middle six uh, in a middle six position I don't think you necessarily want him as your number two uh, but if he's your number three I think you're sitting pretty well when it comes to beyond stats to me maybe maybe anyway the the best uh selling point like if I was a pro Don Granado guy and then I sort of think I am and now I'm not mm -hmm. you know I'm not well versed in at least some of these coaching candidates others I know fairly well but it would be beyond the stats Rasmus Dahlin and Yoki Haro the two of them I mean god they looked so hideous they looked terrible under Kruger and then Granado mm -hmm. takes over and all of a sudden these guys look like they did last year and even better I mean Dahlin scored four goals I think after um after Granado took over and he just looked like a completely, utterly different player. Like, what are your thoughts on those two? And do you agree, like, to some extent, that might be one of Granado's better selling points is these young defensemen, as a pair, how much is better they looked after yeah. Kruger? Yeah, and you know what? That for, for whatever the system was that Don put in, and I couldn't really pinpoint, you know, I couldn't look really look over the tape to figure out what exactly he was trying to do other than telling these guys, like, hey, go play your game. Right. Um, and that was certainly the case with the defensemen because, uh, you know, so a, a couple of those games that I was at in person earlier this year under Kruger and watching how defensemen played and wondering why they were always settling on shots from the point and, you know, just, you know, everything getting blocked into legs and, you know, offense dying, uh, dying on everybody, every defenseman stick in the offensive zone. Suddenly I was watching guys no longer being told as soon as you hit the offensive blue line to stop, 
that if you're carrying the puck, just keep going, Yeah, you know, make it work. We'll figure out that, you know, we'll get the, we'll get the offense moving, get the cycle going and we'll get the, the blue line coverage figured out as we go, because that's normal. That's, that's a more normal way to play hockey is that, you know, if a defenseman jumps way into the play, well, somebody's got to drop back and, and cover that spot because if you don't, you're going to have a two or three on one going the other way. And that other defenseman is going to be way, way out of position to even get involved with that. So I, I think with what he did for for Dowling and Yoki Haru is is a huge benefit, and it's no it's no secret that those two, when paired together, worked out fantastically um, under Granado because they were able to lean more into what made them solid players. You know, Yoki Haru has become a better defensive style of player, like because when they acquired him, they thought he was going to be more of an offense first guy, but. Um, but he's turned out to be a pretty solid two-way guy instead. And in Darlene's case, boy, you just you need to have the puck on his stick. You know, you know, carrying the puck up, taking it into the zone, getting those clean entries, doing all the stuff that that you want a offensive juggernaut should be juggernaut defenseman to be able to do. And that to me is 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 a huge boost to both you know to both what Don Granado was doing and to, and to maybe what Jan, Dan Girardi was 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 getting in their ears about and even Matt Ellis as well because you know because I know those guys would be watching and they're younger and they're watching these guys play and then you know here slam on the brakes of the blue line and just only take point shots no that's not what you're supposed to do <laughs> that's not the defense that's not a that's not the true that's like a 19 that's like a 1950s defenseman way to to, to play <laughs> offense for as a defenseman but um but they yeah but they, they I think in Don's case it was just a matter of just you know taking taking the chains off the guys and just letting them, letting them be natural and let them, let them do what does what they do best. I think, I think Darlene's got a little bit more work to do with that, you know, because that you look at it, that was a solid year and a half of being told not to do what you naturally have been doing your entire career that he's now got to, you know, get shaken out of his head and, and move forward with that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before I get into Monday pressers, I want to ask you about goaltending. Why there's some people, I just feel like some people don't understand how important good goaltending could be because you look at Olmark and the team around him. So you had all these issues. So many of these guys underachieving, especially under Kruger all season. Jack Eichel was pretty much a lost season. I mean, he was there physically for a while before ultimately missing the rest of the year getting hurt. But anyway, all these things that they went through and you look at Olmark's stats and they were good. And you look at the team, for, I mean, beyond his personal stats, the Sabres were 9-6-3 and three this year in games where Olmark started and, and finished the game. Only 6-28-4 and four in the other games. And you look at some of these backups, uh, Carter Hunnan and Jonas Johansson. Uh, UPL, great prospect, but he's not quite NHL ready yet. And then you got guys like um, D- Dustin Tarski and, and, and Hauser, who are great personal stories, man, but... Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, NHL caliber goaltending, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my point is good goaltending could cover up a lot of stuff because let's just pretend for the sake of discussion that Olmark stays healthy all year and he doesn't get hurt at all and they maintain the kind of pace that they did when he was in the lineup. I mean, they're not, they're pretty close to a 500 team with him, which is still not good. But again, this, this is a bottom feeding team right now, dead last in the NHL for the fourth time in eight years. 
So how mm-hmm. important is goaltending and how big of a priority should this guy be? And what do they need to do behind him for next year? Because UPL, he, he still might be in a, you know, another year or so away. What do you think? They've got to be very active in free agency one way or the other uh, when it comes to goaltending. Or, you know, if if you got to swing some trades, you better be getting some blue chip, blue chip goaltending prospects coming back because. Um, and I know we're we're going to get to the we're going to get to the to the press conference talk in a little bit here, but um, but I think when it comes to Allmark, I, I think he's been kind of. I wouldn't necessarily say look down upon because he has been, you know, he's gotten banged up every, basically every season. There's been some kind of injury that's kind of held him back. But, um, but as a player, I mean, I, I don't think you can really deny his abilities. It's just a question of how much better he can be from that. Or if this is what he is, because if this is what he is, he's, it's a really solid goalie. Um, I mean, he's absolutely like, that's a number one value in the NHL. It's just, it may not be the top 15 goalie or top, you know, top 20. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe 20. Like it's so, and goaltending goes so goofy, like year to year, it can be so strange. If you get consistent top end goaltending from a guy every year and a year out, hold on to that guy for life because, because it can be so weird with, with everybody else, given you know how everything changes with teams. But I think in Olmark's case, the last two years, he's really proven himself as a really solid guy. And, uh, you know, I think I broke when I broke down his goaltending after last season, I, you know, when you when you get into you get away from the, the bad penalty kill that they had last year, he was a he was a top five level goalie uh, when it came to stopping shots at five on five. And you know, that to me says this guy's keeping you in the game. And this guy's, you know, winning you games as long as you don't don't give up power plays. And, you know, this year, I mean, you know, everything was an aberration this year. But, you know, Olmark was still good. And the fact that they won games under Kruger that, you know, the, you know they're losing every game under Kruger, it seemed. But the fact that they were winning the games that Olmark started, I think, is another feather in his cap. And I think that's what makes this summer very tough for Buffalo because I think Olmark's going to have all these specialty numbers in his folder you know, should they get to free agency? And he's going to be like, look, there's no other really good free agents available out here. I'm the youngest guy out of the bunch. As far as the unrestricted guys go, I'm the guy you want to give a big contract to. Let's go. And I think the Sabres, Sabres are in a, in a tough spot because yeah, you could move on, but the pickings are slim. The pickings ain't good in free agency, but also they might have to pay the the Buffalo tax, honestly, to keep to keep them in town. Like you got to, you might have to throw an extra mill or two on top of it just to say, "Listen, please stay here. We need you." And then you got then Omar's got to say, "Go find a new good backup too, please." It reminds me of the Bills when they stunk for a lot of years. And mm-hmm. if you were a free agent, you weren't. I've said this before. If you were a free agent, you weren't coming to Buffalo unless either a no one else wanted you, or b Buffalo was going to pay premium money more than mm-hmm. in some cases, maybe significantly more than anyone else. Stay sticking with the football analogy, man. I feel like, and I'm not talking about from a contractual standpoint or, you know, what he might do in free agency. I'm talking about like as a player, he kind of reminds me of Matt Milano in a way, because I love Matt Milano and the bills defense is significantly better when he's there than when he's not. But can you trust mm-hmm. Matt Milano to stay healthy for 16 games? I mean, this guy's been hurt a couple times now. You know what I mean? That's, how much does reliability play a factor in your big time investment in a goalie, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think about the contract that he signed with Buffalo to, to stay here, you know, he could have gone on the market and, you know, probably gotten a lot more money. Um, but, you know, obviously it's a different situation with the bills because, you know, a couple of things go right there in the Super Bowl and they can probably win the title. Right. And, you know, you, you'll take a little less money to be able to do that and stick with a defense that's played very well. Sure. Um, I think, I think in all marks, I, th- I think the comparison works to a degree. It's just a vastly different situation with the Sabres, but, um, but you're right. He's, he's really good with Buffalo. He could be a lot better somewhere else. He probably would be a lot better somewhere else. Uh, but, it, but in the Sabres case, can you afford to lose him right now? The answer is no. And yeah. you know, if you're, if you're going to go out and sign one of the free agent goalies, you know, it's, it's clearly a case of, you know, which, you know, is it the devil, you know, or the devil, you don't know that's, that's the better one to, to take on. But if you're going to give Omar significant money to stay, I mean, you, I think you need to put a very big priority on getting an upgrade in number two or a one B, whatever you want to call it, because mm-hmm. it's not even Omar's ability so much that comes into question. Again, it's his ability to stay healthy. 
you, you, yeah. you make this investment in a guy and if he's not going to be able to give you however many games he plays, 50, 55, I don't know, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and he's going to go down and get hurt once or twice, that could wreck his, it could be a season wrecker if you don't have good goalie depth. I mean, we're literally seeing this, or we saw this with our own eyes this year. I mean, Hudden and Johansson, it, it was just absolutely pathetic. I mean, Takarski mm-hmm. and Hauser had some good moments. And again, there's stories, but I don't know long-term, you know, what they would be able to do if Olmark was, you know, resigned and missed a, a significant amount of time. But anyway, all that'll come around. You're talking about referring to free agents are not going to be like enthusiastic about coming to Buffalo right now. <laughs> yeah. And if you were, anyone was wondering why that press conference that we heard earlier today on Monday with uh, a couple of the players and they were pretty, they were pretty blunt and, and honest. And, mm-hmm. and I actually respect that. And again, I came into this conversation with you far more optimistic when I woke up today, than when I hit this record button this, this afternoon to tape this, because I mean, Jack was very, uh, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, talking about his injuries, which mm-hmm. there's multiple ones and, uh, that he's very frustrated with this organization and he didn't really hold back. And, uh, he pretty much said he was frustrated and they had a lot of thinking to do this offseason, a lot to consider. And he kept saying, yeah. you know, he's a captain of the soccer team, but he, he made it a point like, I'm here for now. I'm here. Yeah. Does, does he sound to you? And uh, you're probably much better at reading between the lines of these pressers than I am. You get you get to know these players a little bit. You've covered them. Does this sound to you like a dude who wants to be back next year? Because I came into Monday thinking maybe he's a little frustrated, but he'll he'll be back. I don't know that I'm feeling that way right now. Like, what are you thinking? He looked to me like a guy that knows he's holding all the cards. Yeah. Um, like he's 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 in the driver's seat for for everything. Um, because I think he knows he knows the Sabres cannot win a PR battle on this on this front. Um, he knows that the Sabres have screwed this up. He knows like from a just a managerial standpoint from getting teams together to make them a winner while he's been around. And also to the point, to the direct point that he made of taking care of him personally as a human being to try to get an injury taken care of and not anything basic. I mean, it's a herniated disc in your neck. You're a hockey player. It's a very physical game. And he's the guy and Michael says, I want to get it operated on. And the team says, well, no, our doctors say that's say, no, we, we say otherwise and they control what he wants to get done. And, you know, throwing in the, you know, the other injuries he's had this year that, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the rib injury from, from, uh, from the preseason, the abdominal injury from last year, which somehow wasn't addressed during the entire layoff that the Sabres had from what April until December, I think, yeah, uh, March to December, like when the, when the season got shut, yeah, March to December that he apparently had an abdominal injury that they were just kind of like, eh, all right, well, whatever, you got some time off, you'll figure it out later. <laughs> sure, okay, great. But I mean, it's it's all of these things where there's so much in the pile against how they've handled this that if you're siding with the Sabres versus Jack in this one, you're a clown. Right. <laughs> and Jack knows it. Like, There's no way you can side with the organization on this, no matter what. And the Sabres are now in a, in a horrendous spot because – their captain and best player by far is wildly unhappy. And if he wants out, he is justified in asking out. And now he's now what's worse for the Sabres is that every team knows he has a neck issue and it may require surgery that the player wants surgery. And everybody knows that a herniated disc is the biggest thing you need to recover from it is time. You know, if you decide to just like work through it and rehab it, you need a lot of time. And if you get it operated on and then you have to rehab it, you need a lot of time. And by delaying him, his wishes, like if he wanted to get this done back in April, I think Darren Drager said he wanted it done in April. And by delaying that to May, you're now digging into time that you need to prepare for next season. So now now you're talking like, well, if he gets it done now, is he ready for training camp? Is he ready for the first month of the season? Like how long does it take? And now other teams know that. And you're thinking like, well, if I'm trading for him, 
I'm prepared for that time scale, but I'm not giving that team the package they want. Like, cause you're not going to give up your, your top two prospects and, and like two first round picks for them. Now you're saying, nah, I'll give you a top prospect. I'll give you a first, but I'm not giving you the whole, I'm not giving you the whole bucket. Cause we don't know if he's going to be the same guy coming back. That's I wrote, a fair assessment. I wrote down some notes because, again, I knew I was going to be talking to you in a couple hours after the presser, and this was his direct quote about the uh, herniated disc in his neck and surgery still being an option. He says, I've been a bit upset about the way things have been handled since I've been hurt. There's been a bit of a disconnect between the organization and myself. I want to be healthy and play hockey next year or next year, wherever that may be. And I wrote him, like, big, bold print here, not an endorsement. <laughs> again i yeah. mean yeah you're right man you can't uh this is one of those situations where i don't see where and, and i know fans especially fans who really love their team through thick and thin they're, they're gonna kick someone out on you know they're gonna kick him in the ass on the way out the door but mm-hmm. here it's like and i tweeted about this like the hatred uh, of jack eichel and, and sabers twitter i think is eventually gonna get out of control because even though i know everything you said is 100 percent right it's just how a lot of fans operate. Yeah. It's the team before the player. So they're going to kick him in his ass on his way out and, and, you know, say all kinds of negative things. And I'm starting to feel like this is now a matter of when and who is he going to end up playing for next. I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like this is irreconcilable at this time. But anyway, that hatred ain't going to be for me, man, because I don't blame him at all. And I, I didn't blame him for being frustrated before the injuries or before even the season. Just the direction of this franchise uh, mm-hmm. has been run disgracefully, man. It's, this organization has been a disgrace, and and this is embarrassing. So I blame the Sabres fully for everything that's going on right now, hundred percent. Well, that's the, that 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 goes back to what I was saying. Like if you're if you're taking the team side on this in this whole saga, that like what what are you getting out of it by by putting down the best player when he's making the the case very clear that he's been wronged. Uh, completely through this. And I mean, you look at everything he's gone through here, you know, going back, you know, the the high ankle injury that cost him 20 games. And, you know, that was, you know, the, the, you get that injury. You've got, you know, he had a, he had another high ankle uh, that was to a lesser degree the following season or two years later, you know, all the stuff of this offseason, like everything with this offseason was very strange because we never really got a straight answer about what happened in the, in the preseason about what happened there. And then, you know, with Kruger, the Kruger's whole downfall started to come because he, he tried to downplay uh, the game where Jack, uh, where he practiced that morning and then he wasn't out for warmups yeah. or, or he was out for warmups. And, and, and Ralph said, it was like, wow, no, 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 uh, the injury happened to warmups, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And then Jack comes back, you know, a game later and he says, no, actually it happened the game before. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, at, you know, when that happens, you're thinking like, oh, Jack's throwing Ralph under the bus. It's like, no, maybe it's the team. And, you know, looking back on that now, you know, may, you know, maybe it's, maybe it was Ralph and the team deciding like, well, no, you know, maybe Jack is, you know, exaggerating this or blah, 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 blah. You know, whatever the, whatever they said, whatever the team said is very clearly not correct. Right. If they think Jack's being, you know, is being a baby about his neck injury Man, like if if you still want to continue to to take the team side and that kind of talk, have fun with it. You I never like I never understood Joe why Kruger and, and even Granado at some point too why they didn't give more updates on, on the condition of Jack. And it I, I'm not gonna lie, it made me think at times. I'm like, well, you know, I didn't know the extent of a lot of these injuries, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, why didn't they report some of this? Because it makes people like me and um, obviously many other people think that. Maybe he's just not in any rush. Maybe he doesn't want to get back. Maybe he wants yeah. out. You know, maybe he's just, maybe he's quote unquote mailing it in. I don't know. Now, what do you say? And I know it's a, a minority of people. Okay. I know the, the general Sabres fan, the majority don't think this way, but I've heard some friends of mine even say, you know, Jack Eichel is a uh, coach killer and Jack Eichel is a, uh, a clubhouse cancer. Like, what do you mm-hmm. say to stuff like that? Like, or that this team's going to be better once Jack's gone? I mean, wh- what do you even say to some something like that? I don't even know what to say right now. I think I think a lot of that stuff comes from Jack not really being a very cuddly personality. Um, you know, I think sure. I think a lot of that just comes from, you know, the way he comes off a lot of times where he, you know, he seems like he's, you know, he's kind of like that, you know, smirking, 
you know, uh, to throw an ancient reference out there, he's more of an Eddie Haskell than he is a, than he is a, you know, a, a beaver cleaver. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 for anybody who's <laughs> anybody who didn't watch those shows and reruns like I did, or, or, you know, missed out on it completely because they're under the age of 40 <laughs> doesn't know the reference, but, um, it's a good reference. But, uh, yeah. I, Hey, listen, I, I got some crowds to, to play to here sometimes, <laughs> um, but I mean, like it, basically it comes down to, you know, being the, you know, coming off like a, whether it's a smart ass or, you know, like somebody like, and a lot of that comes off as, you know, a guy who doesn't really care this, that, and the other thing like that, that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't, even me as somebody who's been in that room a ton of times, I don't really know Jack, you know, like, you know, I, I, the handful of times I've gotten to talk to him, like off the record, minimal. And it's usually just BS stuff anyways. So sure. like, there's, you know, there, there's not really a moment where you get to really know who he really is. And you just kind of, you, you're basically left to, to just guess at, at what he's like away from the rink. And you just, what you see in some of those interviews is how you assume he is in real life, which is really tough to do because some guys are total jackasses on camera. And they're just, you know, you're just like, man, that guy seems like a total dink. And I never, you know, like, I never want to, I never want to have a beer with that guy. You know, like right. you, you get that, you get that sort of, you know, uh, interaction from, from, from some of the media stuff, but like, you know, to say he, uh, coach killer stuff, I mean, everybody hated Dan Bilesma, literally the entire room could not wait for him to be gone, you know? Uh, but like every coach since since then, like he loved Phil Housley. He, he, lo- he thought Phil was great. You know, he really enjoyed Phil, but you know, stuff didn't work. And he, and he Ma- also, he praised Kruger today. In fact, during impressor, he said, he'll probably have a relationship with him for the rest of his life. He said today, yeah. And notice he said that was like off the ice. He, I think he, I think he made it, he made it state, he made a statement. It's like, you know, that's somebody who, you know, I really loved off the ice. I was just like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe he, that's maybe my boy, he but he sucks, at, he sucks at his job, but it's still my boy. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's as, that's as careful as, as anybody's going to be able to be like, yeah, he stinks at his job, but boy, we're going to, we're going to be pals forever. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's that kind of thing, but I mean, you know, and, and I mean, asking if I don't know if anybody, I don't remember if anybody asked uh, Jack's opinion on Don Granato, but I'm positive he can't really say anything about him as a coach because he was he was out right. for it, so he doesn't really have much of an opinion there. But um, that's but why I, mean, I, came, I came in, Joe. Yeah. I came into the press conference today again on Monday. Uh, I, it was late morning, early afternoon. I came into it very interested in what he was going to say about the young players and their development, and he did say something about. Some of the the kids, the kids, they took off. He said they he watched mm-hmm. he enjoyed watching them take off under Granado. But then it, it immediately shifted to the injury stuff and his resentment towards uh, the organization. And again, that's understandable. It's just so frustrating because he's a top ten. At worst, he's a top ten center if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. You just sang the praises of Casey Middlestaff, but also and rightfully said you don't want to force the kid into a, a bigger role than he should mm-hmm. handle. So, man, wouldn't he not be an awesome third center because we saw with our own eyes that Sam Reinhardt could be a, a second-line center, one that the Sabres, mm-hmm. a good one that's been lacking. So you had that potential Eichel, Reinhardt, and Middlestat down the middle, man. And it's like, well, two of those three might not even be here next year at yeah. this rate. It's just – and I didn't even mention Cousins. Who, I was going to say, know. Cousins is probably your number three. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, a couple other guys, by the way, spoke as well – Um. Omar talked about uh, they were all non-committal, which mm-hmm. I, I mean I understand that to an extent. But Omar, to at least one positive thing about the Sabers and the players is that he went out of his way to praise the team the way they mm-hmm. handled after his uh, his father had died in Sweden. Um, aside from that, though, he didn't know what he he said. He uh, you know if he's part of it moving forward, that's great. He was being very political with the way mm-hmm. his comments were, as he should. Um, Rasmus Rusalainen, which is like an annual tradition where he says things and then goes on the ice and everybody hates him. But, uh, you know, he said more guys need to be accountable here. Um, it was, you know, because of injuries, it was hard to sit or bench guys. So he's basically was saying it was really hard to hold anybody accountable because we always had guys hurt. And he went out of his way to say that he's got one more year left on his contract. And, uh, Mm -hmm. he was very open to anything, including being traded. But don't you feel like, I feel like, I feel like this is the same podcast (laughs) 
we could have the same podcast, <laughs> you know, for the last four years previous to this too. And we'd be talking about the same thing. I don't even know if I have the energy to, to think about a wristline and trade. You know, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's a drum that we've all been beating for about three years with with Risto. And um, I think if it wasn't for Jack kind of dropping the nuke on everybody today, I think everybody would have been talking about Sam Reinhardt mm -hmm. basically being noncommittal about, you know, signing long term in Buffalo. And, you know, he was basically just kind of like, yeah, hey, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, you know, we'll get it figured out. Like he didn't really say that he was eager to come back to Buffalo. He didn't say he wanted to leave either. But like. I would think if if you were staring at getting a long term contract done this summer, which he kind of is, if he's staying in Buffalo, he is, and if he gets traded, well, he is with whoever he gets traded to. Um, but I mean, you know, he's on his last. This year is his next year is his last year is or this is his last RFA contract, I should say. Right. Um, so I mean, if he's getting a long term deal done, you kind of want to do it this year so he doesn't blow up in your face, you know, and have like another monster year this year then suddenly he's walked to, to free agency and he gets to go say bye so long <laughs> i'm gonna go get my money elsewhere like i, I think if you're buffalo in that spot you're just kind of like he's we gotta we might have to we might have to move him if we're if we're not committed to paying him should that be you know, a no-brainer now i it should have been a no-brainer two years ago well if you want to play if you want rfa the first time if you want to play devil's advocate you could have said well Sure, he put up production, but he also mainly did it playing on a wing with Eichel. But now this year, no mm -hmm. Eichel, and he moves to center, and he get, and he gives you 25 goals. He's 10th in the NHL in goals this year. I mean, what more does the kid <laughs> got to do? He's 26 well, years old, or he's about to be. Dude's played in like 450-something games or something like that. Mm -hmm. He made the playoffs. He's pissed off. He's frustrated. I don't blame him. Yeah, and you know what? Playing center and scoring 25 goals, boy, suddenly that puts a couple extra million per year on your contract because centers that can do that are at a premium. And if you've got, you know, again, Buffalo, if you got Eichel and Reinhardt as your one, two, holy crap, you're set. Well, now you now both of them, one of them hates the team and the other one might also hate the team and be eager to leave to go back, you know, whether it's Vancouver, Calgary, whatever, go back, so go back somewhere in Western Canada to be to be back closer to home so i mean it's it's this is the sum of all destruction honestly of of all the the failures and everything that they've screwed up over the past five six years this is the sum of all failures and this is the sum of all fears for fans because they've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this to to all congeal and come together to become a playoff team and make a big run and go crazy and instead here it is. They might have to. They might have to blow up the whole ship again and start brand new with a ten-year playoff drought as your starting point to start a third rebuild. I guess at yeah. this point, it's, it's crazy. It, it's sad because again, you you get hope from some of these young guys, Middlestat and, and Cousins. Who, by the way, I think Cousins was one of the few players on this team who had a pretty decent year, even when Kruger mm -hmm. was here and treated or continued with Granado, but Olafson showed you signs. You talked about Tage Thompson. Maybe they got something in Bjork. There's a lot of youth there, a lot of good players. And then you look at Sam Reinhardt, who showed that, man, he could be a legitimate number two center. Ah, he could be a number one center, I guess, if need be. And then, and then you got your best player, Jack Eichel, who basically this was a wash for him this year because of his health. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you should be excited, or you would think anyway that – this would be a time to be a little bit optimistic about this team because they showed they could be competitive, especially when Olmark, when they had an, a competent number one caliber goalie in net. And then you get Jack Eichel back next year, healthy and motivated to show that he's a top 10 player in this league with what Reinhardt did at center. And you're like, all right, man, I feel really good about this team. But in a matter of, I don't know what, 45 minutes or so over a couple pressers. I mean, you just hit on it and you're right, man. It's like, such discontent and, and loathing from the fans. And it's just, I think it might get worse. I I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't think it'd be possible, man, but I, this might get worse before it gets better. It might. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's very possible. And that, I think that's, I think that's where it comes down to starting to point the finger at ownership on all of this. I think, yeah. I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people that have either, ignored the signs or they don't want to believe it because they see the bills doing well. They're just kind of like, whatever, it can't be ownership. They're doing this. They're doing so well with this team. Well, you know, that, that team isn't 
isn't taking note isn't taking their own notes anymore from from ownership you know they're not hiring rex ryan to coach the team anymore you know they're not they're not making those kinds of decisions anymore they're not you know they're they're letting people who who are smart well i wouldn't say they're letting them but like the the people who are making those decisions are are not cutting the ownership out of the out of the decision making but they found a way to 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 kind of silence silence that outside chatter Right. You know, we we've you know, we we read it before when, you know, McDermott basically said he's like, Whatever happened, whatever's happened with the Sabres, keep it out of our room. We don't we don't need that over here. Well, yeah, <laughs> for good reason. And you know, you can read into that as like, yeah, yeah, keep the keep the Sabres dreariness away from us. But I could also read it as saying like keep the ownership meddling away from us. Yeah. You know, like that's you know, that, that's another way you can really read into that. And um in the Sabres case, I mean Geez, I just I just think back to you know so many of the decisions that have been made just within the last few years that you can just point at ownership and go, yep, that's them. You know, with the O'Reilly deal, the Skinner contract, um, you know, giving two two million a year to to Zemgus Girgensons as as a, as a guy that you probably could have let walk anyways. You know, it, it's moves like that where you're just kind of like, what the hell are they even doing over there? And yeah, you know, Terry. You know, listen, it, it boils down to Terry's a huge Sabres fan that happens to own the team. Was he a huge Bills fan growing up? I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. But the Bills make him a ton of money, so he's happy to he's happy to be a Bills fan now. Well, I mean, I don't I don't like to not give him any credit for the Bills success because even if all he did is hire Shaw McDermott, which leads to Brandon Bean and the structuring of that front office, he still did hire at the end of the day. Sean McDermott. He got Sean McDermott to sign with the Buffalo Bills. So I got to give him credit for that. But yeah, the meddling thing in hockey, it's just kidding. He, it's At some point, you got to say it's the ownership. It has to be the ownership. It, it has to mm-hmm. be the ownership. A couple other guys spoke, by the way, on Monday. Kyle Ocposo, which, I mean, frankly, I could care less what he had to say. Nothing against him. I just, I don't care. And, and, but I, was just happy. I was just happy to hear Kyle didn't have another concussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Puck. I like him as a, I was just happy about that. Right, yeah, absolutely, man. I that was like my him. big takeaway from Kyle. That yeah. he doesn't sound like he's ready to go. Like Right. Yeah, that that part, I'm very happy for him when it comes to that. And then Jake McCabe um, spoke, who again, with Cousins, I think was one of the few players who was kind of prospering and playing well mm-hmm. with um, with Kruger before the ACL. He tore his ACL. Um, he said that I thought it was noteworthy. He th- thinks he's going to be back on the ice by July and uh, thinks he'll be ready for the start of the season. Uh, he's an upending unrestricted free agent. Maybe getting out there sooner, help him get a contract, I'm sure. And he said that he'll stay in touch with Kevin Adams, you know, throughout the process. I mean, if the Sabres want him back, and I would imagine they do, they probably mm-hmm. got a, a decent chance of resigning him just because I don't think there might not be a huge market for a guy coming off a torn ACL. I don't know. I could be wrong, though, but... Quickly, before I let you go, your thoughts on him and circling back to Rasmus Rissalainen, probably the only time in the last four years that I've liked him was earlier this year when he was playing with McCabe. Like those guys look mm-hmm. pretty well together. So do you think maybe a McCabe returning might, if you, cause we, again, we talk about every year, dude ain't getting traded, man. <laughs> I know Rissell's ass is going to be back next year. So you kind of hope that if he is going to be McCabe is there. I liked McCabe. Like, what are your thoughts on him? I think McCabe's really good. Um, yeah. I started beating that drum last year uh, with him. Even the year, even the year before uh, Darlene's rookie season, he started really showing some signs because he was he was one of those guys that was taking a beating from the fans. Fans, you know, every time there was a turnover, it seemed like McCabe was involved with it. It was just like, well, you know, the guy doesn't really make many turnovers, and he, you know, he puts his he puts his body on the line for everything. And he's just such a he's such a tough defender. He's the exact kind of guy that everybody screams about that the Sabres don't have on the blue line. Like, you know, we, need, we need a hard ass. We need a guy who's going to be physical, block shots, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's McCabe. And everybody who's played with McCabe the last couple of years has been better for it. You know, Yoki Haru and McCabe last uh, last year. Last year, yeah, I think it was last year. Like, they were dynamite. Like, that was a dynamite pairing. And everybody's like, hey, that worked out really good for Yoki Haru. I mean, Scandella and Yoki Haru to begin with was, was a really good pairing. Sure. And everybody's like, oh, well, Yoki Haru made him better. I was like, yes and no, but like also McCabe with him also did really great. So, uh, so I think McCabe, you know, if you can keep McCabe, I'd say do it. Um, I just wonder if Jake would just be like, screw this tire fire. I'm out of here, man. Right, man. <laughs> like, I mean, you get the opportunity to get paid somewhere else. Uh, you might take it, but like I said, his ACL might, the, the market might not be what it would yeah. be. Certainly wouldn't be if he was healthy, the market would be significantly 
uh, better for him. One more thing, too. So go ahead. No, no, I was going to say about Risto. Um, Risto is the same guy. He's always he's always been like yeah. that's, you know, w- when everybody was really kind of going to bat for him early this year, saying, wow, this is you know, the best season he's ever had. I'm like, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess when the bar's on the ground, it's easy to go over the sure. bar. But and I I love Risto <laughs> to borrow a Jack move here. Love Risto as a guy. Love him as a guy. I don't know if I love him as a player, though. I, I think I think uh, I, if they can move him, boy, they'll be better for. It. I think they'll be better for it, no matter what the return. <laughs> and I'm I should be careful in saying that because the return can always be somebody who's way worse. But um, but I think in Risto's case, I mean, the guy's been ye- not yelling directly, but basically saying, "Please trade me <laughs> for three years now." If you right now, favor, if you were Kevin, Ad- if you were Kevin Adams right now. And you could get even a late round draft pick just to get that contract off the books for next year. Would you, would you do that? Even if you got nothing else but a, a fourth or fifth rounder back and that was it. The, you- the contract and the way other players do worse with him when, you know, whether it's a defenseman paired up with him or the forwards when he's on the ice, they do worse with him on the ice, which I, you know, you, you have to be careful about pointing out publicly because then people go, Hey, wait a minute. This guy's bad. What are you saying? He's bad. He's, he's big. He's physical. But, um, but no, I would do it in a second. Yeah. Because I think, because I think anybody else that you could put into that, he's to borrow a, a baseball thing. He's a sub replacement level player. So any, any, any average player that you put in his place will be an immediate upgrade. Whether you think they're good or not, if they're, if their metrics crank out that they're basically average player, they'll, they'll be better. I read, um, I want to end with the expansion draft that'll be coming up in July. Seattle will get a they get a player from every team. And mm-hmm. I've read that the most likely candidates based on who they'll be able to protect and stuff like that. You're looking at Tate Thompson, uh, Will Borgen, Rasmus Asplin, and, and Bjork. Those are four guys that from what I've read, it seems like Seattle would have the most interest in taking if, you know, one or two of those guys might end up having to be unprotected because you only protect so many. Um, I'm sure Rissalina will, will get exposed. I, I think Colin Miller surely where will as well. Um, mm-hmm. Guys like Skinner and Ocposo, they got no trade, so the, they would have to get their permission to to mm-hmm. be exposed. But if, if you're Seattle, I mean, which guy are, are you looking to take? Or, or if you're, on the other hand, if you're a Buffalo Sabres, if, if you're in that front office right now, like who are you most willing to lose that Seattle was at least somebody would be interested? I mean, obviously you could say Ocposo, but they're not going to be interested in him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if I'm, if I'm it, it, honestly, if I'm Buffalo, I, I, my fear is that Buffalo's going to protect Ristolainen and you know, which, I mean, he's got five and a half million dollars on one, on a one-year contract. I would dare Seattle to take him like, Hey, you want to take him? Good luck. Right. Have fun with that. Like that's the guy you don't have to protect him because the, like Seattle's, you know, analytics team is, is one of the best assembled ones out there and there's no reason they should take Ristolainen anyways like you should go into picking your picking your guys to protect with that kind of knowledge in mind um, but if I'm the Sabres I'm trying to keep a guy like Asplund because um, I think Asplund is I think he's a guy that's capable of doing Johan Larson like things which I know some fans will just be like oh geez so he sucks right no <laughs> Asplund's a really useful player down in that lineup because he's very he's very good defensively he forechecks like a like a beast and he's got a little bit of offensive touch, so I'm trying to keep him. I would kind of lean on daring them to take Tage Thompson, but I fear the team is still trying to rescue a win from that O'Reilly trade yeah, or what. I, I thought think of that's, that. I think that's. I think that's why you gave they gave him a three year contract in the first place uh, last summer, and you know I think they'll protect him. But but boy, if I'm Seattle and Asplund or Borgen is sitting out there, I'm really torn as to which one I'm going to take because I think either one would be a solid choice for a team that's building from the ground up because both of them are young and I think both would start immediately in their lineup. One last thing I lied. So the NHL draft <laughs> is coming up and, and look, I, we're not going to get into draft prospects today. You'll be on again and we'll, we'll hit on some of them as it gets closer, but the Sabres did finish dead last. They will be picking no worse than third. I've heard a lot of uh, draft people out there say that this is not a particularly great draft. Now, mm. when people say that, I mean, obviously there's no McDavid's in this draft. There's no McKinnon's. I, I get that, but is this a reasonably good draft? I mean, having a top three pick, you got to think that there's at least uh, someone in that, 
at worst top three that could come in and contribute uh, sooner than later. And more specifically, and again, we'll get into prospects more specifically at a future time, but I, I've seen, like, I've looked at some different mock drafts, and I see there's a goalie named Jesper Walstead or Walstead or something like that. I've mm-hmm. seen him as high as third, as low as, like, seventh or eighth. If the Sabres, I, one or two, uh, they don't get that. Let's just say they finish third. If you were Kevin Adams, would you consider taking a goalie that high or maybe you try to trade down a couple spots and take a goalie? Like, would a goalie be in play for you that early in a draft, or do you think that's just too rich for your blood? Uh, no. No, I, I, it would not, a goalie would not be in play for me okay. uh, right now. I, Because I, I think of last year with Askarov, uh, the Russian kid that slipped down to, I think it was Nashville. He's, he's one, been one of the best prospects, I think, in the last five, six, seven, eight years to come up as a goaltender where you're like, I can burn, I can use a first, I can, you can be justified in hindsight burning a first round pickup. Spencer Knight is another one that Florida got that, uh, a couple of years back uh, where you'd say, all right, yeah, I can, I, I can use a first round pick on him. I don't feel bad about that. And that was a guy that was actually, you know, I think Chris Baker said that was, that was a guy who was on the Sabres radar when, uh, when the year Knight was drafted. I forget what year that was, 2018, 2017, something like that. I forget. Maybe it was 2018. Um, but if I'm, if I'm the Sabres picking top three, I, if, if I take a goalie, everyone that listens people are listening looking at us laughing uh i'm I'm watching joe joe's doing a video chat with me and i just seen his face like oh no 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 not happening no like you you absolutely cannot take a goalie like i'm i'm more afraid of the sabers taking owen power um if they pick first i mean owen power is a defenseman hey fine great yeah they need defensemen you don't need owen power like owen power is not good enough to to say forget everybody else we got to take him you have other needs and there are better there are forwards that will i think will rank out better in the end than owen power will as a defenseman i think you if you look at a guy like matt uh, matt banniers um that's a guy that's a guy who i've i've decided the sabers that that's the guy they need to take um if they're picking first like take banniers if you think people are so, you know, if the teams, the teams directly behind you really want Owen Power that bad, and they're willing to trade up to one to get it, okay, slide back, get another, get another asset somehow, you know, somewhere else. Are you team like, trade? Are you team trade to pick for a player? Um, no, 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 uh, no, because they had. <laughs> did you see what Rochester looked like this year? Yeah. Have good. you have you seen the organizational depth that this team that this organization lacks? Not good. Uh, completely. I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm still mad about them taking Jack Quinn over, Matt, you know, uh, Marco Rossi last year. So, um, so I mean, I, I'm 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 still very much. Uh, I'm still very much on the fence for how well this this scouting group can can handle things, especially in a year where uh, nobody was really allowed to go scout in person, and you know some of the junior leagues didn't even get to play any games uh, this year. So I'm I'm very much like, all right, this this whole draft could be a, a complete cluster. So, um, but I but I think I, to me, Beniers is the guy to pick. Um, and if you know if they want to go with the Swede, I think the Swede's name is Ackland. Which would be great for for all the old school blogger types out there to be like, oh, take an Eklund, oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. But, um, uh, but I mean, for me, Beniers is the guy, and and you know, I'll have to dig in and watch some tapes and whatever, and I'll become as much of a scout as everybody else does. But, <laughs> um, but I, uh, but yeah, Beniers is the guy. I would, I would just run away from Owen Power. People are like, oh, Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin as the as the the deep pairing for the future. No, 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 no. Dahlin was so far above and beyond everybody that year that it was just like, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, Svechnikov has turned out very, has turned out to be a very excellent player, but like Darlene was so far ahead of everybody that, that draft class that it was just like, yeah, of course he's the guy. He was, he was number one, no matter who pick, was picking number one. Right. Um, there isn't that kind of player this year uh, where that no matter who picks number one, this one player is going there. I think it could be, it could be any one of one, any one of like four or five guys could be end, end up being number one. All right, guys, follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Yurden. Dude, it's going to be such an eventful offseason. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be eventful for all the right reasons, but it's definitely going to be eventful. Joe does some writing for Die by the Blade. He's always on 
podcasts like this one, does radio spots, stuff like that. So again, follow him on Twitter at Joe Yurden. Check out where you can uh, hear him or read him. Thanks, brother. I love having you on. You know that. And I'm sure I'll have you on plenty over the summer. And uh, we'll talk about some Sabres stuff. We'll talk about some actual fun stuff as well. Yeah, no, sounds great, man. Always look forward to it. All right, folks, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you one more time, Joe Yurden, one of my favorites, and I truly mean that. I mean, I know I always say thank you to whoever is on the show and how much I enjoyed having him on, and that's always true, but with Joe, he truly legitimately is one of my favorites. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Yurden. Great guy. Well beyond just Sabres Talk, too. So anyway, thank you again, Joe Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go and do that right now. Subscribe, rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really, truly helps me continue to grow this show. We also have a YouTube page, Talk About Flow Podcast on YouTube. I put up some highlight clips from current and past episodes. And pretty soon, don't know quite when, but soon enough, I'm going to start having some original audio and video content on that site. That you'll get only there, nowhere else, not even as podcast. So again, that's Talking Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. Then, of course, last but not least, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Pamoran Tweets. I am constantly on Twitter. I live on Twitter. Um, podcast uh, promos, upcoming guests, polls, sports talk, pop culture talk. I, I do it all in there, man. Have a good time. So at Pamoran Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I truly mean it. I really do. I know how many great shows there are out there. And when you're locked into this one for any amount of time, that does not go lost on me. I promise you that. I'm very grateful and appreciative and humble to each and every single one of you. So thank you very much. I'll tell you what. So I do casual Fridays every Friday with Del Reed. Might have a bonus episode coming up on Thursday too because the Sabres have more uh, press conferences coming up. GM Kevin Adams, um, head coach for now anyway, Don Granado. They're speaking on Wednesday, so maybe I'll have a guest on and we'll go over that as well. So stay tuned for a potential anyway bonus episode on Thursday. But for sure, casual Friday with my man Del Reed. Talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.